Welcome to a very special episode of Framerate, the podcast where we rate frames. I'm your host, Michael Swaim. Yeah, this time, I'm Abe Epperson, and yeah, this time- you got to start with the names, man. I'm Abe Epperson. Too uh, loud. <laughs> I'm Abe Epperson. Perfect. This time, we're not doing one that's like our just our favorite. We're going the route of the, I guess- trying to become popular content creators and doing don't tell them what <laughs> that what we care. we're thinking you have to act too cool for school oh i mean we're just like we saw last yeah. jedi we're just in the neighborhood we saw last today jedi. It's and like, no like i had my sunglasses on and i was running with my skateboard yeah we're like maybe release a show about it people listen yeah dude <laughs> and mike was like Cha, bro. but last jedi is now my favorite movie so you- it's funny, Abe. It's not. Everything you just said was wrong. Oh, that's... <gasps> Last Jedi Rats! Oh, spoilers already! What, what? Spoiler alert, certainly, because we're a deep dive analysis show. Yeah. Um, so we hope if you haven't seen it and you want to see it, you'll see it, and then give us a listen. I mean... But there's a lot to discuss and unpack and illuminate. 60% of the people that are going to see it... I don't, this, I'm making this number out of my ass. Uh, it really is. You should see it. It's, it's pretty 60% impressive. 60% of people who are going to watch it are going to watch it like in the next few days. In the right? next 48 hours for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like. I would guess. Or who care enough to listen to a podcast. Yeah. So Jedi's currently sitting pretty at an 86 on Metacritic, which is fairly respectable. Um, in the lead up to the buzz, I heard a lot of people, including people who, who saw screeners ahead of time, yeah. saying it's either tied with Empire for the best Star Wars movie, or it flat out is the best Star Wars movie. Of course, you never know with a company as huge as Lucasfilm Disney, if any of those reviews are just like bought and paid for, either through favors or directly. I mean, this is... I don't know, I don't really trust reviews at that level anymore. Yesterday was when the news hit about Marvel, Disney and Marvel, or Disney slash Marvel. Buying Marvel, yeah. Or purchasing... Purchasing Fox. Fox, yeah. yeah. Or 20th Century Fox's... (laughs) content like yeah. their ideas behind therefore remember the news yesterday the thing that's everything became more things now yeah, everything's just, just one thing it's like that video game inside <laughs> at yep. the end ah oh, that's spoiler or katamari damasi yeah, yeah that's a better reference we gotta roll you up into our ip and then and then and suddenly all like 40 percent of tv and 40 percent of movies will be coming from this hegemon of content creation. And I lay the blame for all the problems I had with this movie. We should say whether we liked it. We're, uh, we're teasing them. Uh, overall, I'm pretty lukewarm on it. Pun intended. I'm Luke Skywalker warm on it. Um, You've had better. I've had much, much better. I'll probably cut that out. But I think a lot of the problems I had with it, you can lay squarely at the feet of the Disneyfication of all things. Mm-hmm. And that used to mean making everything soft and friendly and kitty like because that's what Disney was. And I don't mean that. Disney and Marvel are now one and the same, and I feel like they have a paint-by-numbers formula for movies. Like, this is Guardians of the Galaxy. It's just Star Wars. Like, they're all the same to me now. Mm. I'm really having trouble differentiating them. Yeah. Yeah, and it's killing me, man. (laughs) Yeah, it's like uh, they're just running everything over with carpet. Right, and it has the same ratio of seriousness to humor as every other movie that's like that, if you yeah. know what I mean. Like, uh, yeah. I do know what you mean. And in terms of me chiming in, I, like, I think we're going to have, si- which is unfortunate, we're going to have similar opinions. I'm also pretty lukewarm. But just to add on and add You've something. You've had better. I've had better. <laughs> uh, just to add something more to it is that it's not that I strongly dislike the movie or str- like had strong feelings anyway. It's a children's film. It's a family's film. Like there's reasons you show those porgs and you make a little bit where they're all like very cute and there's uh, sometimes it's charming. Sometimes it's not uh, for me as a, you know, middle-aged, you know, like 
guy who's kind of pessimistic. But uh, I think the, my biggest problem with the film is that it's indicative of what is happening because it really is the championship game. Like uh, the Avengers, the Infinity War played before as a trailer. Like this one, the Star Wars. These are the big ones. These are the heavy hitters. Super Bowl. And they're setting. They're the Super Bowl. Uh, they're setting kind of the. They are the antenna of like what works uh, for you know like the big population polls. And increasingly, you have to keep in mind that they're trying to figure out what works globally. Yeah. And that's why in these big movies you see a continuing cleaving to very basic jokes that almost any human on the face of the earth will get yeah. that are light on dialogue. And it's interesting because that's something that Pixar pioneered, right? Like Pixar movie jokes are very clever, basic Looney Tunes style jokes, right? Looney Tunes just did that for whatever reason. It was their artistic sensibility. Pixar was consciously doing it to make their movies shippable to children all over the world. Yeah. And I'm like, that is a good strategy. Now the sheer money-making potential of that is fucking a lot of our movies. And I, down to that level. Like, it has to have... It has to be lowest common denominator in terms of the mental challenge. Like, I'm sorry. The opening joke, and it killed in the audience, was the hero of the Galactic Rebellion who's trying to save everyone he loves from getting disintegrated until their flesh melts off and their bones float in space forever... He's just fucking with the head of uh, Admiral Hux, the new Grand Moff. You're talking about the first like four minutes. Yeah. And the bit is a pretending I'm on a hold bit. Like, oh, can he hear me? Is the line open? Wait. Oh, I'll hold. Why the fuck would someone in the Star Wars universe even have a concept Mm -hmm. of holding on the phone? It doesn't make any fucking sense. I at mean, all. it could or it couldn't. <laughs> but here's the thing: is it's coming from it's it's taken from Star Lord. It's not, it's a Star Lord joke. It's and a it's a d- joke Doctor that Strange back to like the forties. Like that joke's yeah. been seen over and over and over. Like lure in Futurama. I will destroy you. Wait, is this thing on? Can they hear yeah. me? That's such an old joke now. And it's so we need all of our heroes, or at least the ones that are like. I mean, I don't know. We, we did an episode of The Mummy of this, and we were talking about the swashbucklers. Yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, we... <coughs> Sorry. He gets a little choked up when he talks about The Mummy. <laughs> I have a cough, so sometimes that'll kick in, or maybe we'll cut some of it out. But we, talk, we talked about how who who's a better swashbuckler, Indiana Jones and stuff like that. It's crazy to me that now our definition of that swashbuckler hero is like this semi-crass, like Marvel-esque hero. Chris Pratt. Yeah, Chris the Pratt. Archetype but also now, like yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch and yeah. Robert Downey Jr. They're all the same person, right? Yeah, except I'd say all Chris Pratt brings to it is that he's that person if they were nice, whereas the other ones you mentioned are that person if they're a little meaner. Yeah. Chris Pratt bought, brought like the fuzziness to that character. Yeah. Because in Jurassic World, he's still like, no, I know what to do. You should do what I say. Yeah. I'm the dinosaur king and expert. Um, but, you know, he's not as rude as Benedict Cumberbatch. Right. And the same, so it's different. <laughs> but he's fla- still cracking wise. No, yeah. It right. still flavors that. And even in A Force Awakens, that was still kind of true Finn. Uh, there was cases like, do you have a boyfriend, a really cute boyfriend? That isn't the crass, like kind of like sardonic attitude, but it is the unhinging of normal conversations of something that like you're in a Star Wars film, people talk like this, and then you're going to suddenly break that out in a kind of postmodern kind of like way that the Simpsons would do that. You know, let's deflate the guy who talks like fucking, 
uh, Arthur Weasley Hitler. Yeah, Who's dude. that guy? The Hux, Hux guy. Hux, Admiral yeah. Hux. And he's clearly the new Grand Moff Tarkin role. Yeah. And I just have to say, there's a fucking reason that in the original three, when they were casting the prestige characters that were supposed to get adults to take this fantasy seriously, yeah. they cast like Sir Alec Guinness yeah. and Grand Moff Tarkin. I forget his name. Uh, Peter. Do you remember? Grandma Cushing, Peter Cushing. Oh, Cushing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, Grand Moff Tarkin was also like a storied, incredible, like acted with Sir Lawrence Olivier. That's right. Could deliver these lines in a way that no matter how dumb the lines were, you would take it seriously. And now they've replaced him with a guy that is exactly what a cartoon (laughs) imagines. Like, they watched Star Wars Clone Wars, the cartoon, and then this is a live action version of that. Like, the tone is so light. That's such a crazy... I thought it was a parody of Star Wars for the first five yeah, minutes. It yeah, it felt really like a, a, a sketch that like you'd see. Like a sketch see. about The Last yeah, Jedi. What yeah. if, they, like, we really take those Empire down a peg? Yeah. Like, um, yeah, it's crazy you mentioned that because, like, because with Cushing... They literally in a in a Rogue One yeah. didn't they have a facsimile of him they had a, a CG? CG of his face so it's almost like they're unsure creepy. of like whether or not we want it like it seems like they're gonna they're trying to do service to great actors but not for the reasons why they chose those Just actors for originally. reference to, to yeah they because were the one before the franchise has moved on yeah it is now determined that it doesn't care about because it's adults are children it's not it doesn't need you know. But that's what's interesting and what I guess I'm just, and you too, or like a minority of people are just different than everyone else who's seeing all these movies because I wanted, what I want is, the child in me does want lasers, space explosions, crazy monsters and aliens. Yeah. But as my brain matures, it's literally like, it's dull as shit for there not to also be dialogue that is at least intelligent and complex enough that my brain has to go a buzz to read the subtext or gather what's happening right or they bring forth a quintessential lesson of life that i have to ponder do i agree disagree that was interesting yeah. now it's like it's going through the motions in the purest sense and we're so good at it like i cannot give more credit to art design the effects artists the oh, sound absolutely. design the costumes snoke's costume the way snoke's face look it's all beautiful but the CG hides, of the hyperdrive going through all the ships gorgeous. was like an awesome good job, sound Rian design, yeah. like going quiet, all good. Uh, but you're absolutely Painfully right. Painfully reminds you that like nothing interesting is happening. Like only a kid would be wondering what happens next. If you're 18 or over, you're like, uh-huh, it's a Star Wars. This is going to happen next, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's um, when that infiltrates... Uh, story and writing it is maybe it's just because we're writers but it really bothers me Uh, for example when I'm ahead of the game most of the time and I'm sure many of our audience is because it's not about being like a good writer about being smart it's about like just seeing things that you have seen before developing the lexicon with essentially the totality of cinema. Like, I think it was Hitchcock who said, like, I man, I really don't want to make, like, this, I, he literally said this now. Uh, like, he's, he didn't want to make films for the zeitgeist of, like, in 80 years in the future. Because then they had seen all of his tricks. And then he'd have to find a new way to wow him. And he was like, I'm not going to do that. Uh, and in the same way, like, did you not immediately, as you saw, like, the Millennium Falcon park, and they're like, you see all the, uh, the crystal dogs, which I don't know why they didn't call them salty dogs because they're made of salt. Yeah. Yeah. But that was stupid. But, um, when they're there and there's just a big rock pile, 
your head mm-hmm. immediately went to that's where you do a line about the rocks or you just literally say the line again because that's obviously the next step and of course there was previously a line where luke says the force isn't it's just not, floating rocks yeah and from that second on you go she's gonna lift a big rock at a yeah exactly point. um and we sound so jaded but like I'm so I really want to hold film to this standard. I became a storyteller because I thought you were supposed to have something to say. Yeah. And here's what I think is so funny. And Adam pointed this out and it's totally true. Uh, Ryan Johnson's getting a lot of credit for taking it in bold new directions. And I think I can disprove that very easily with three examples. Basically the idea that, Oh, well we should do it. I think we should do a trope off of like, can you, how many things can you name that were yeah, I wanna... from previous things? But before that, I just want to point out that structurally, uh, it about two thirds of the way through, I, we realized, um, to try to get away from the feeling that Force Awakens had, which was the main complaint if you didn't like that, if you'll recall, of course, was this is just the original trilogy with the scenes shuffled around. Ryan Johnson wants to be original. I think he's shown with his choices that he likes to be original. Yeah. So I'm sure when he joined on to do a Star War, he wants it to not do that. Yeah. But all he did instead was do the opposite of that. So like they say the scum and villainy line and then it cuts to very posh rich people or they set up very clearly that Luke Skywalker will be Rey's dad. So surprise, he's not. Her parents are unknowns that you'll never know. And my point is that's not original. Like doing the opposite of a thing still only exists in reference to that thing. Right. Like it's it's not, you didn't trick me, Ryan Johnson. It's still just a shuffling around of Star Wars elements. And then you flip some to negative. That doesn't do anything. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I I go back and forth on that. I think that it's got to, we got to really dive into the tropes because like how many times have, when we were like breaking a sketch, have we said like, all right, so you do three jokes of that joke and mm-hmm. then you break the system. Right. What's the best way to break the system? Well, let's go completely, find an excuse to go completely 180, but it makes sense with the logic of the character. Um, to go completely contrary to the setup of a very well-torn kind of trope of like adventure films, which are already not that... Like, they don't have to do a lot of work. A lot of the B-serials don't have to do, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the good guy comes, and then, like, the thing that he was weak on, and he's now good at because he studied it, and now here we go. Or he dies, it's real sad, and yeah. a new hero rises. Yeah. Those are the so, only options. Yeah. So stuff like that, like, it can be easy to defame and make it, like, you're just doing the flip. I'm not taking from what you're saying, because I actually agree 100%. I just think that um, sometimes they do it too much, I think, is what this movie is really proving and I don't know when it was, but I think it's like anthemic of like a problem of screenwriting that we're having right now and Mm -hmm. less a star Wars problem and more of like big blockbuster movies. Screenwriters are trying to figure out what comes after postmodern, like after we've mined all the nostalgia and referenced everything. Now, what is the new pastiche that is right? Um, I just realized another one, Kylo Ren, obviously Vader, and then they have the classic scene where he betrays his master, right. but then he does the opposite and stays evil mm. um, and removes his Nelly Band-Aid. That was really distracting. Whatever was on his face scar for the first half. Oh, whatever. Yeah. That little grid. I was like, what? That's the weakest like, effect of the movie. What is that? <laughs> it was literally tape, but it was like future tape. It was futuristic tape. That yeah, was so funny. But I mean, that's like, that actually I bought. I was like, yeah, it looks dumb, but like, so does the fact that one of those like 
in um, when they go to like the bar in like a Force Awakens or mm-hmm. whatever. They go into a bar and at one point there's a robot who's like the mouth part part of the face is literally like a Frank Sinatra esque like microphone, and it like yeah. looks so stupid. Or there's just there's no reason it would man. be that. You can't conceive yeah. of any reason that a robot would be built that way. And so futuristic <laughs> tape is now just a way to be like, they got some little thing that they do. I mean, the same thing goes within this movie with uh, Finn and he's he's like a big That's bag what of I was water. Bring up. The back to tank suit, I did totally buy. And again, all credit goes to the art designers because the art designers are figuring out shit that like just through sheer costume and prop design, I'm like, there's an interesting concept. 30 years later, they've redesigned the back to tank to be a mobile, flexible yeah. suit unit. Yeah. And and they didn't have to have any words and it's good they didn't because the words are all garbage yeah it's <laughs> but stupid. there's a lot of good shit in the movie none of it is like this the words in the script and therein <laughs> is a perfect example of what you were talking about like two minutes ago about there's a great time where you you shut up and you don't talk about it but you're going like in a strange direction to like appeal like it's still referential nostalgia, of course, but it's like a cool one that we like. Whereas if you cut to, this isn't nostalgia. This is just, I want to be cool. Star Wars. The line like that I laughed out loud and I actually got a look from the people in front of it. It's like, what's your problem? So I was probably the dick in that situation. But, um, when the guy, when they're sitting there and it looks like Hoth and it's the final battle and the guys go and he's like, tastes the ground and he's like, huh? It's salt. salt. I wish, first off, I wish I was the guy next to him. He's like, yeah, like, uh, yeah, we all know we've been here for like hours, but like, it's just an excuse to have the idea of like, what would be a really cool fight scene for the next 10 minutes? So it's a good sequence. Well, we already got Hoth and we got that white. What if we had red against white? That would look cool when you touched it. And that's not inexcusable. They they just want to do a cool thing. But it's inexcusable how clumsily it was retrofitted. It was thrown in there. That's inexcusable to me that you let such an inelegant moment in. Because there's so many ways to have done it easily much better but yeah it was so clear that an art designer had a great idea which is what if snow bled when you touched it and someone on the team looked into how would that really happen and it turned out salt crystals can take on mineral colors so they're like it has to be a salt planet covered with snow on top everyone's like we did and they're like well how will the audience know how fucking smart we are Ooh, we cut to a close-up of a guy we've never seen before and we'll never see again who licks the ground, looks at camera, and says sodium salt. chloride, motherfuckers. Yeah. yeah. And then they trim that down to also, salt. Also, I'm not cold. <laughs> yeah. This is not hot, even though it looks identical to it. Because it's true. It's like all of the walkers. It's like the same setup of the battle. Of course. Well, that sequence is... <laughs> Hey, let's do Hoth again. So let's do our trope off so we can get off yeah, this yeah. high horse and say some stuff get we liked about it and feelings we had because I have good things to say about Hamill. Um, oh, yeah. So let's see. We have a new Vader who they literally say several times, you're the new Vader. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Hamill who is both Yoda and Obi-Wan because yeah. he's training a Padawan on a distant island planet and he sends her into a dark cave where she sees her own face. God, it's so specific. The he same. even drinks... He's got blue milk in his. He's got green milk, and he's got green milk. I mean, you can't really get Jesus God. Yeah, this farm, this Tatooine farm boy loves milk from the grossest of animals. Loves milk of his lightsaber colors and Yoda colors. I guess I don't know. We have what else? What else? There were more. Oh, and he's about the Obi Wan connection, obviously, because he's a Jedi and recluse. But also, 
they play the original Leia distress signal through R2. Right. To like play on his heartstrings. So you literally, it's like a big arrow going, he's also Obi-Wan. Get it? Yeah. Like she says to him now, help us Obi-Wan Kenobi. Our own right. Hope. So then, you know, I just hate that I know this. Then, you know, oh, he'll die in this movie. He'll die by disappearing and he'll say some version of when you strike me down, I'll become stronger than you'd ever imagine. And sure enough, he paraphrases that and disappears. And then disappears. <laughs> like he might as well disappeared and not been hologram. He although... might as well have been Obi-Wan fucking Kenobi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's, uh, I thought that there was a, a lot, a, too many sounds like while we're talking about, uh, nostalgia, for example, the rebel ship is like almost identical to the beginning of a new hope, like the make and the model of that ship, which princess Leia, you know, gets captured from. Right. It's like the same round, like weird, like in, I think in new hope is like, they hadn't figured out exactly mm-hmm. what the ships look like or something. Cause that one has, it has all these like, gl- I don't even know what to call them, but they're like just round cylinders and right kind of meshed together uh, in a lump and that yeah. wasn't really a design that they like let's do more of that type oh you mean the main the primary transport <laughs> ship that ends up being yeah, the focus or, towards or the end. yeah yeah it looks just like an ugly space turret yeah, i was wondering like why it was so one. lame looking and it's i think it's indicative of like all right we have like the dreadnoughts class or the star destroyers literally chasing the um uh, right. The rebels and they're like dwindling numbers and it just has that feel. Uh, the opening shot, which everyone loves to talk about, and it's... It was really weak this time. Uh, it just like panned yeah, down and zoomed they, in on the planet. Well, that's the thing is that like it's it's one of the... They call it open spaces, the, the, uh, like the term for it, right. which means that it makes it feel like... What's great about the first shot in New Hope is that... Um, when the star destroyer like goes over the top, it's a fucking beast. You're it like, makes you go, Oh shit. There's more than this frame can even handle. And it makes you realize that yeah. your conception of the size was totally off. You yeah. see the ship and you assume it's normal ship size. And then you go, Oh shit. It's a predator prey right. situation. And I know which one's the predator. It is getting information across. Yeah. This was every star Wars begins with Starfield. Nothing in our script really involves Starfield, so it just pans down and zooms in on the planet. Which right off the bat in the movie, which is why you and I looked at each other and was like, what's wrong? Because right off the bat, there's two things that really felt like they just had to do service to the original trill, the Ridge Tridge, which is going back even further before the fir- very first shot is the, um, the, the, the scroll. If you take out First Order and replace it with Empire, it is literally the same text as Return of the Jedi. You know, like there's no new information we needed in that, you know, yellow text scroll. And then we saw a shot that didn't inform us of anything. I mean, other than set the stage. I mean, I guess it was just a wide establishing shot of the setting, basically. That's what it's supposed to be. But it didn't. It's not a mistake in another. But you could also just show that and do something cooler with it. What they chose to do is they chose to move. So instead of moving something over camera camera with a miniature, the camera moved. So I'm sure that if you limit, like I'm sure uh, it's Ryan Johnson, right? Johnson. Yeah. When you're thinking like a director and you're like, all right, we have to do something cool with it. uh, And I have to do service to this previous thing. You now have two masters because one is do the coolest thing I can think of to 
show what this event is and two is do something in the same vein but kind of new but not the same and not that's the why same, i think flipping all the tropes to the opposite it doesn't show the weakness of ryan johnson <laughs> it shows the arbitrarily limited nature of these types of films because right, right. the plot elements are so simplistic that you've made like to the point where there's evil people who are just evil darkness incarnate and good people who are just right. light incarnate well, then the only maneuvers, it's like you've reached an operatic level of storytelling where the only maneuvers are binary because it's only yeah. good versus evil. So the guy it's dies or doesn't. Yeah. Right. It's just chess. And all I can say is every movie that even a little bit explores the gray area or a moral quandary that's at least a little bit complicated, right. like we, I would debate which side to join or I, right. w- I would wonder about that decision just so infinitely more rich and rewarding of an experience. And in the same vein, like you're saying, beholden to two masters, I feel like they're so beholden to the slow plodding nature of how they shoot space fights. And since the original star Wars, which was a revelation, but it's been so long, like, the way um, Battlestar shot space fights is much better. The way fucking uh, Serenity, like when Wash is floating like a leaf on the wind and you know what happens, yeah. everything is so fucking tense in part because the editing, the camera work, the blah, blah, blah. In this Star Wars movie, man, you're literally for lots of it, the central conflict is, will this giant gray space turd slowly meander to the right of the screen or will these flaccid looking green dots hit it too much and it'll blow up or more often like, than not so boring to even look at more uh more often than not actually in this film and in the last film arguably all of the ones all the everything but a new hope i think it's can the th- big gun charge up fast enough? Oh yeah, of and course. And we have multiples on well, this one. We had Death Star, and we'd had giant Death Star, and then even bigger Death Star. So now and then they we have had tiny the door- Death Star. Then we had the door knocker that's going to knock the door exactly. down like that's an egg. That's what this was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just feels like uh, it just feels like it's just tension. It's an it's an absolute tension pull like rug that they it pull feels out. like a fucking. 75 year old executive at Lucasfilm trying to make their job worthwhile wrote needs Death Star on one of the drafts. That's what it feels right. like to Bigger, me. Bigger uh, fighting. We're Death Star. Yeah. It's, me no movie. Yeah. I, th- <laughs> me no movie people like me good. No, me no, yeah. God, we're going to get so many jobs from this. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are already calling in, They're offering like, us. Do I have you, all the money. Do you want to do the next Star yeah. Wars? Sounds like you know what you're talking about. Yeah, it sounds like you know. And I'm the kind of guy who like big money. Yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> I can say some stuff I loved about it. First of all, I was talking about how a really, truly sublime actor can anchor a role no matter how bad it is. And Hamill, Hamill just yeah. by chance, it's funny because when Hamill was picked up by Lucas in the 70s, he, he was just a scrappy young kid. And the people there to anchor it were Cushing and Guinness. Yeah. I really think Hamill has matured into himself of like incredibly competent, like beyond competent, nuanced, excellent, nuanced, real naturalistic actor, of course, can also do the voice of the Joker, which is spectacular. And even the Joker in Batman, the animated series, right. Has nuance and acting choices. I respect. So my point is Mark Hamill rules. The only time I was ever like my heart went beat, beat ever like raised at all was the final twist, which you predicted, but for me it was the only thing I didn't predict was that he was doing the remote astral projection thing. Yeah. And I will say, that was the only time I was excited even a little bit, and it's because Hamill just killed it. 
all the way through. Hamill yeah. was great. Uh, the only, I think the best point in the film that goes to him and speaking of the acting is the, um, after Ray and Ben Solo touch and then there's the whole interaction at night with, uh, Luke and Ray, uh, where she's like, tell me that it wasn't you. And like, he's almost, he uses the force to like stop himself on the step and on then the he does not yeah. And then he explains to them that like he had that shame. And like he realized that he wasn't a good master. That felt like an actual beat of an actual movie. That is for adults. That's for That's adults. That's like engaging to my yeah, brain. It was engaging yeah. to my mind. Exactly. Because <laughs> obviously there's many, many This beats is a in real movie. Yeah, all the things. It's but fun. Like, You'll that, like it. It's like a roller coaster. That was a beat that did not necessitate that it need be science fiction. Yep. That uh, there needs to be anything fantastic or anything. It was just a broken man who essentially is ex- trying to explain mm-hmm. through feelings, not through logic to someone who is looking for like someone who's looking for like the next chest. What, what's that? Like we never got to two and three, but stage one is like reach out with your feelings. Yeah. Right. Seems to be like how yeah. to become a Jedi. Step one. Well, they can never break <laughs> it down because it is not a real thing. So there's no real answer right, to say. Right. Obviously, it's, Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, I got the third one. Think hard until the thing happens. Right. Yeah, I guess you have the right. force. And Ray, what's, what I like about that is that that's exactly what Ray is trying to do. And he's the one blocking her from that. And that's where that, this particular arc, this scene that actually butts to, which like, it Adam comes to pointed out is also a gaping motivation hole that just makes no sense right. in the sense that. Luke's whole reason for thinking the Jedi Order can end and the reason he seems so calm in the final act and the reason he and and like the first lesson he imparts to Rey when she's learning the force is the reason the force found you and the reason you're force sensitive is not because I'm your parent. Yeah. Fake out. Right. Good job, Ryan Johnson. Yeah. It's because the light and the darkness are in balance. The force is everywhere. The force cannot be created nor destroyed. So they can try and snuff me out and maybe the Jedi order will end. Like it won't be that order. No light will go out, but there will be force users. There will be an equal number. And Snoke seems to imply the same when he says, I knew as I was making this dude, Kylo Ren be a really powerful dark side user somewhere in the universe. There had to be an equally powerful light side user rising. Right. So that seems to be, and the yin yang necklace, that's a theme of the thing. They ditched the midichlorians. The force is always in balance and it just plays itself out. Handy excuse if you want the franchise to go forever and ever, right? And just cycle. Cause you Don't can... you mean the hero story? Exactly. Yeah. It's a, basically just a way of saying the hero's journey repeats itself, so don't blame us if the movie repeats itself. Yeah. Um, but it also makes it insane that Luke feels any stakes at all or hel- or doesn't want to help or doesn't... like From his point of view... He can choose to fade into a ghost whenever he wants. He says himself, no one ever really dies. Like the force is eternal. There will always be balance in the force. No matter what happens, it will always correct itself. Right. Then why does he even, he should just be Dr. Manhattaning walking around naked being like, I don't care about any of this shit. Right. And his (laughs) sister who is arguably stronger than he is, but seemingly untrained. She's able to keep her body from imploding in space. Like floats in space. So she's very powerful. That shit was surprising to me. Uh, that was one of the moments I really liked. Yeah, it was Leia surviving space. That was cool. Uh, but when we cut to when he is, uh, and by he I mean Finn, is flying as, you know, uh, as a pilot on the salt planet, and then he is knocked out 
by but, Rose. Yeah, by Rose, who Fish, then it's yeah. introduced that there's a love interest there or Which something. Which again is a recapit... I think most people probably miss that one because it's more subtle. Right. But the famous love triangle between Luke, yes. Leia, and Han is now... That's why Rose was introduced. So right. it's, it's again, they just flipped it on you. Yeah. It's not who gets the girl, it's who gets the boy who's going to get... Yeah. yeah, and you have the pessimist and the optimist. Right. Uh, you have that in constant flux. She believes in something so faithfully and is angered by, like, their first time they inter- have an interaction, the fact that he's a scoundrel, you know. She's deeply disappointed, right? Is disappointed. But let's get back to, exa- like, there's something that, I, that happens before any of this mm-hmm. that makes this entire scene not probable at all. And it's a major plot point mm-hmm. of a force awakens, which is the whole reason anything happens is that, uh, Finn needs Poe Cameron, James Cameron to <laughs> fly him Dameron. out. Yeah. Poe Dameron. Dameron. Whatever. <laughs> Got Oscar Isaac. You're damn wrong. It's Dameron. Dameron. Uh, he needs him because he's a pilot. Because he can't right. fly. He's a stormtrooper. So, and this is real time. But he this can is, instantly learn to fly an outdated He has been unconscious. Plane, right. He has been unconscious. And, well, and they're flying ancient ships. They comment yeah. on how the controls are all different and shit. And don't come at me with your glasses all upturning. Like, uh-huh. yeah. it's not technically, you know, like a spacefaring ship. It's just like a... No, it's the, a snowmobile. That, it it's happens again <laughs> when he's with Ray on uh, Jakku or whatever. When who he's like, do we have a pilot? And she's like, I'm the pilot. So he can't fly shit. He's good. He's good at guns. We learned this. Yeah. But uh, he's flying the ship, and now all of a sudden, so it just it makes no sense. They just bypass it. And I yeah, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's, How it's, did he end up killing Phasma? Oh, just by luck, a lift comes up and he shoots her in the back of the head. He surprises her with it. and then But I mean, that's sheer chance. And then also, right after that, there's a catastrophic explosion right when they're about to be executed, actually right before that, that literally, when they cut back, Everybody has but killed or incapacitated every single of the hundreds of people that were upright. Right. But Finn and Rose are fine and are running away. Right. Whoa, what? <laughs> like, that happened several times with... Um, with the exception of Princess Le- uh, of General Leia getting blasted out into space yeah. when the bridge Empress Leia Empress Leia Oh and I just realized Benicio del Toro is another of the same trick cuz he's set up to be the new new Han Solo La- like Lando. three people are going to be Han Solo and then you're like oh no he's the new Lando cuz he's betraying Yeah yeah, yeah. and he's equally swashbuckling It's the opposite game which I think is an interesting idea for I think they consciously thought like everything has reached maximum saturation of Stranger Things effect, or will soon. People recognize, by and large, that we're just reshuffling shit. What does the next phase of storytelling actually look like? And one idea is, well, we could opposite reference everything. And I'm like, okay, that's something. It's pretty basic response to the movement, but I, I see what you're doing. And all I will say, the moments I liked in the movie were the opposite moments. Yeah, because I really did think. Everything was so paint by numbers. Luke would be her father, but I thought they'd only flip it by her saying, "Luke, I am your or you are my you father. are my father." Yeah, but they flipped it by having him not be her father. Yeah, like okay, you just you surprised me. I don't know what I learn about my human experience from that or whatever. But Adam Driver looks good without a shirt, huh? Uh, I think I don't know what it is, but for me, I am increasingly no, no, no. answer the question. Adam Driver looks surprisingly good without a yes. shirt. Didn't he? Yes, yes, he does. Um, <laughs> 
I really like Adam Driver, actually. Like, uh, I watched... Fuck, what's it's called? Lucky Logan, Logan Lucky. Can't yeah, Lucky remember. Logan. And he's been in a bunch of other stuff, Llewellyn Davis. Like he, um, he's been in random things, and I think he's just a good actor. He is a good actor. Girls is still insipid, but like he is good. Yeah, that's yeah. what most people know him from. From and his that, girls. That's, that's why that's in right. Force Awakens, when he removes his helmet, a lot of us were pretty disappointed that it was the dude from Girls. Oh, really? Because yeah. we were like, it's just hard to view him growing into a Darth Vader that you fear, like, you know, right. like you did the voice of James Earl Jones. Like right. Adam driver is not imposing, but I agree with you. He's winning me back. He's earning me back. Like he's and very he gave good, a good. He gave a good monologue. He's like, you were nothing. He's like, but not to me. Like, I thought that was an interesting turn, but not to me, but no. uh, like a, a single moment where the writing actually shined a little bit to me. And I think it might've been, you know, a little bit of driver's help too is because uh, the line is written, if you just put it down on paper, it's something along the lines of, like, you were born to, like, a mother and father who were just drunken, like, you know... Sold you for drug money. Yeah, Yeah. and they're trash. And they're dead already. Like, and they're nothing and you're nothing, but not to me. You're in this with me. Like, it's something like that. I can't remember, but it's the... uh, He does this weird turn. He says, literally, I'm sorry, which I do think makes the writing a little lamer. It is so on the nose. He says... Oh, they were nothing. They were no one. They already lie in a pauper's grave on Jakku. Right. You have no part in this story. Like, stop calling what the events that are happening I mean, a this movie. Story, yeah, I yeah, hate yeah. that. Every time they said, multiple characters said, the old things need to die so new things can rise. Mark Hamill literally passes a torch yeah. to her by setting the Jedi thing on <laughs> fire right. with a torch. And then that, then now she takes the books out of the burning thing and now she's a Jedi. Fucking stop commenting on the movie I'm watching in the fucking dialogue of the movie. Yeah. Jurassic World, do not have someone say, I liked the original Jurassic Park better in your movie. They didn't even think of whether or not they should do it. Exactly. They're just, now they're selling no, it's it. They're it. selling it. It's like, you don't respect your own shit. Why should I respect it? It's like, yeah, it's true. They start, they've started to wink at, you know how we're constrained and we would tell a cooler story, but we can't. They're sneaking lines about that into the movies. And that just infuriates me. Uh, it's crazy to me how the writing has gotten to this point. I think it's in, uh, indicative of a grander trend in Hollywood, especially for these, like, we got a guarantee because we're spending a lot of money that this makes its money back, right. especially internationally. So we're going to make things simple, but we're at the same time, we're going to keep it like it's going to look good and it's going to have the laughs per minute ratio at the right efficiency and all that stuff, even though it's like a terribly horrible like scene, uh, like in terms of like what the characters are going through. Uh, the next scene we're able to do like a jump cut of jokes like for example in this movie we have the first beat of something that becomes kind of very important to rose's character which is essentially the freeing of the slaves and like the um the last guardian horses are essentially uh just because they look like the last guardian video game you know on the wealthy planet that they call the scum of hive and villainy there's these animals yeah, that are those made animals. to race that are mistreated. <laughs> they act as a... And a key component is she frees them. Yeah, she frees them. And it, uh, it serves as kind of a metaphor for the children, like the, you know... Who the, they don't free. Who they don't free, which Point, is... Which is weird to me. Uh, yeah, probably going to be next No, but episode. they show... You show... You introduce an ecosystem where there are slave children who tend to animals and... Mm-hmm. 
you free the animals because they are symbolic of the children. They're the ones being whipped. Free more, the yeah. fucking children. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in any case, she really starts off hitting hard, and you're like, okay, so there's something here. And you can tell by the way that, you know, she's acting and what she's saying. She's going to be a main. It's going to be a main thing. Yeah. Uh, and when they go there, it's it's full of horrible people. Uh, and then it does this jump cut to to me. And it's sad because it's to me, it, got, it, it gave me the biggest laugh. And it's I don't even know if it was the right laugh, meaning like I don't know if the writers and the, you know, the people who like worked on this joke. Mm-hmm. And the editorial pace of that joke, the uh, you know the decision by the director to use this specific CG right. monster, whatever was CG the right guy choice. added the wiggly mustache, yeah. and the top hat. If they really meant went, all the yeah. things to get me to laugh in this particular way and think the things that I thought, because I don't even necessarily agree that that's true. I think because what the what the cut is is it cuts to this guy who has like the like tendrils that are essentially he's forever moustached you know alien dandies yeah he's dandy and it's like she says like they're literally the worst people it's right after she's paraphrased worst people in the universe it's a hive of scum and villainy yeah basically and they cut to him and he's like "Mm." again they're like it's the opposite of the Tatooine cut right 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 and it and it feels to me like the joke obviously uh is that well here's a here's an example of a piece of shit uh, galactic piece of shit. The reason I laughed so hard is that I could not get my head around. This is the the director and writers, you know, showing their hand. That guy is the worst. He is absolutely the worst. Right. I don't know if that's what they meant with the joke. If that dude is that, but it was funny to me only because <laughs> oh, it's super see. specific. You think, no, like he's going to become a main deal now, <laughs> and so I started laughing for way long. No, I, his wife was right next to him. They were just doing the joke. Yeah, that's it's, what I it's thought. filled with pieces of shit, and it cuts to a bunch of rich people. Mm. And you go, I get it. She hates rich people. Yeah, we love the Titanic. And nowadays, a lot more of us hate rich people. So, like, and it's you know, that's, it works yeah, as commentary. That's obviously the joke. But you interpret it as like when you say, "No, you don't want to fuck with him," and they cut to Snoke, and you go, "Oh, Snoke must be the next." So you were like, "Oh, this mustached guy is going to be a big deal." Yeah, later. he's going to be a big deal. She said he's the biggest piece of scum in the yeah. galaxy. Yeah. yeah, is he? Is this Snoke? You know, like it, already it, dead. R.I.P. Snoke. Yeah, it was so funny to me, and I laughed, and I and that showed to me of like kind of everyone else laughed for the more basic joke that it's I just the basic outlined. joke that I'm it's talking funny about. That you were laughing for a more elaborate joke they didn't intend. And that's what I'm bringing up with uh, Lego Movie is that I left it something because I I think I created. Maybe they intended this in which case I'll just take back all my words and say I'm sorry I got your joke and I don't know why I didn't trust that I was supposed to get it in that way. But I just don't think so. Uh, the reason I mentioned Lego Movie is Lego Movie is the first time that I was sitting down and I was I, in theater and I felt like I was on crazy pills and I'm sorry for people who like love that movie but I just didn't I didn't buy it and I've I've rewatched it since and I, it's I now have less of a scathing review on it like it's a fine little I un- thought it was good it was fine fine yeah. uh, but when I watched it I actually kind of had an out of body experience and I don't know if you've had this the way that you were like breathing because you were right next to me on this movie made me think that that's what you're gonna come out of the gate with this because you were like bored for some of it well and, like I'll making, say like, this <laughs> when literally people cheered and clapped and I heard someone make an orgasm noise just because the Lucasfilm logo yeah, came it's, up. Yeah, it's... And this is number eight. It gave me, like... 
It's like the Trump effect. Like, is there no Star Wars movie so bad that you wouldn't like? Too big to fail. Because you don't even know what this is yet. It's the logo. I turned to you and I said, lap it up, you dogs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's really how I felt in that moment. I was like disgusted to be a part of this which group. what does that say about us it's hilarious i'm a misanthrope man. but um but to me when they, that was the first time in lego movie where i actually like was looking across the room and i was like wanting to say like don't laugh why are you laughing and it's because explain it to me what bothered me <laughs> was that in a in like lego movies which uh or in that that particular lego movie which is the only one that i've seen has the same kind of problem as this Star Wars film and A Force Awakens is that when they go into the joke mode, they throw everything at the wall. It's like, it's the the path of least resistance. Oh, that just that joke didn't hit. Well, let's throw another one. Let's throw another one. Let's throw another one. Uh, now, this obviously not being a full on comedy doesn't have that. Let's throw everything at it. But what it does have is that editorial kind of. Uh, kind of like a Marvel film. A thing that I want to really do for these movies, or at least the Force Awakens and the, the Last Jedi, Rogue take One a, or no? Uh, I guess so. I okay. yeah, sure. Uh, is take a stopwatch to each of the scenes throughout the movie and see what the average ratio of like. Uh, here's a funny scene, here's a serious scene, and what those kind of clock in, because I think they're all speeding up. I think there's a third category of scene, which is action sequence, which is just the roller coaster parts, like the CG shots where she is blowing up. I wouldn't even call serious. I would call thrilling, right? So there's sure, like sure. the three things they do are uh, thrilling, drama, and humor break. Yeah. It would yeah, be interesting to know what the ratio... I would love to know how the ratios shifted amongst top budget movies over the course of the last few decades. Oh, yeah. 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 Comedy's changed especially, right? I mean, comedy's Definitely, super although, fast. If I can play devil's advocate for a second, in the Mummy episode, I complained that there's this same kind of cartoonish feeling that sometimes bothered me where you have a gun in your oh, face right. and you're treating it really low stakes. How come it doesn't bother you in the mummy? Uh, it's a good question. My knee jerk is to immediately say that because that feels like a cartoon. Granted, this is a, uh, this is supposed to be kind of car. This is closer to a cartoon because it's a family, you know, and it takes movie. place in space and has laser swords but and stuff. It also has like, at one point, uh, <coughs> Kylo Ren throws a dude into like a shield generator thing and his body explodes. Yeah, and the drama, you're right, that the drama is treated very high. There are moments where they appeal to you yeah. to really cry because a son would dare stab his father, Han Solo. Right. Retroactive The, the stakes alert. are super high. That's right. The mummy never even asks you to care that much deeply yeah so it's okay yeah you answered my question yeah but i think uh i mean when it comes down to it i think that the like the disneyfication or the you know marvelification of which are becoming one in the same one in the same now yeah uh or i guess now because it's star wars and it's got the big slot it's got the december 15th you know and that's what really worries me is every movie other than the next six avatars because he's james cameron's just a wild man doing yeah, whatever he's the just fuck out he there doing whatever other he than that i do like movies that have crazy cg with amazing battles and shit but they're all gonna have such boring plots i'm gonna stop going to them or just look up the biggest battle scene and watch that you know what i yeah. mean yeah <laughs> that's true like i don't really have that much interest in the battle angel 
Oh, movie. I just thought it was amazing that Christoph Waltz now exclusively <laughs> interacts with giant-eyed characters since Big Eyes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's, that's his jam. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I like the Big Eyes. They must have the Big Eyes. I don't know why he talks. Does he? What is his uh, oh, they accent? They must have the Big Eyes. Just because he's uh, in Glorious I Bastards? I can't really do a good impersonation at all, but he's like friendly German accent. Oh. <laughs> good for you. You can't call it to mind from Inglorious Bastards? Well, I thought that, that was a... I didn't know if that was no, a voice No, no, no. That's his accent is his like, accent. It took me a long time to realize that Russell Crowe is like Australian? Yes, Australian, yeah. yeah. But uh, Christoph doesn't disguise his accent much in his roles. Huh. I think I've seen him do an American accent in something, but sure. not often. But I don't It's know. a delightful accent. I but love listening to him. <laughs> I bet that movie has a lot of really cool action sequences, but... I think the team gives me hope. I like Guillermo. Who were the producers? That's true. Too. I was excited about the producers. That's true. Landis was one of the producers. Landis John Landis. Was, I yeah. like him. Maybe I should get... It's just because I've never heard of it, which is really is bad. Is it based on something? I don't know. It looked like a video game at first. Well, to me. I, I thought it could be based on a, co- a graphic novel I haven't heard of, or it could be an original IP. And I always give originality... Oh a yeah, chance. So which is bad of me. I'm definitely like, going to see it and hope it's good. When I see original, like when District Nine came out, I was very hesitant because I was like, "Well, this is just this, this just looks like a lot of other stuff that's coming out right now." But the fact that it was original, the fact that it had like I, I just had to go and see it and be like, "Okay, that's a good thing." Uh, Pacific Rim as well. I was like, "That's just Battle Bots," but. It's original content in terms of... No, it's not. It's, it's IP. Transformers plus Godzilla, the end. But, like, if we don't support that shit, we're just going to get Star Wars. No, I don't support Pacific Rim at all. I'm sorry. Oh, really? That's a garbage black hole of a movie. Well, yeah. they're Guillermo del Toro for you, so... Well, I know. it's And it really shook my faith. In it. Like, there's scenes in that that I'm like, really? Really, Guillermo? This is insane. Yeah. Every malady results in a nosebleed from the right nostril, no matter whether it's cancer or a hit in the head or getting shocked electrically. (laughs) More like Atlantic Grim. (laughs) I don't know why I'm laughing. I don't either. That's funny to me. I don't know how we dare sit here and judge other people's jokes and then I pull that out. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I'm feeling real lukewarm about it. Yeah, but there is shit. Payoff. That was a good callback. They call it. Nah, man, that's true. That's the rocks playoff. Payoff. Of course, yeah. That's the rocks. just the rocks. Um, I did think she would end up raising the submerged X-wing from the lake. That's what I thought too. Reference. Just because yeah. I had, yeah. But of course, Yoda literally physically appears at that location as if to sanctify. Yes, this is Dagobah too. Yeah, this is that part of the movie. In case you were unfamiliar, here's Yoda, so you remember that part of the movie. Uh-huh. And then she fucking. I just. I'm sorry. The part where she goes into her own journey into the dark cave, which I get repeating because it's something maybe every Jedi Master has to do or Kinda whatever. Kind of cool, yeah. But. No, I th- I thought it was terrible because you could have done any number of anythings because it's like an imaginary void. And instead, she literally tries to find out who her parents are and sees her own face. That's exactly what Luke did. You couldn't have her go yep. on a unique symbolic journey of her own that was different in any way. Like it was only different visually. And while we're at it, it I got cool. one more. Yeah. <laughs> My big just gripe just from a pure plot hole like mechanics standpoint is uh when admiral mordor laura dern or do or do or don't i don't care <laughs> when she flies the ship at light speed 
through another ship. Right, we tie, yeah. And it bisects not only the lead ship, but the ripple destroys an entire fleet of top of the line fighters. And it only killed one person. Why they a they could have solved the entire movie five minutes in by doing that. If this any, should be a tactic of warfare. And B, since the very first Star Wars movie, there would be fleets of droids on ships, and it's, doing this. you would not yeah. fire lasers. Your new weapon is drone ships that light speed zipping around the Why battlefield. Why ships? Missiles. Right. Missiles just with a hyperdrive on them and all they do yeah. is go zip, 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 zip. Everything's dead. Like uh, Ondu's little needle in Guardians. Yeah. Or do's. Or do. No, Ondu's. You're <laughs> or, right. I was... Or do or do or the don't do, do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and I'll... I thought it was interesting that like fairly back to back in terms of battles too. Uh, two pretty positive versions of uh, suicidal bombing right where you kind of were hoping Finn would succeed in his driving a car into a thing that blows up and then right before that yeah yeah and right before that she saves the day with a suicide bomb right and right and proves that like I mean what she says is still true all the stuff about even though that line was like oh my god when she says straight up uh, maybe the way with that we win isn't by you know hating them or like by loving hating you. Wh- yeah, no, but no, loving no, but you no, or saving whatever. the things we love, saving yeah. the things that we love. And I'm like, eh, well, I think it's a little both. But I, think I understand it's a fucking, the sentiment. It's a fucking gray area, and a much better movie would at least acknowledge that there's a gray area. Like, yeah. no, how do you win a war? Okay, by hating the thing you hate or loving the thing you love. Well, either way, you're killing people. So let's talk about what it is to take a life and uh, the whole interwoven connectedness of what mechanics shape the forces that create the shape of a human life or history. Or it's the fa- like, no, I already said my quip. I'm I'm done. I'm ready. Or the fact that the most like human thing that you can do might be to save another human and in that moment right after doing that, she wouldn't, she would say something that would say like, here's my philosophy on saving lives, but rather say something closer to like, I don't know, like I couldn't let you die. So that's why I saved you because I couldn't let that happen. Yeah. You could go that. I would be more interested in that because now you're delving down to the character level and building out a personal drama, but But I don't know. Justifies a kiss. Instead. She just said a hallmark, message that you don't have to think about the second it's done being said and that's what i bemoan about all triple a movies now yeah that's all because that's the limit of what they can say is like family good and you're like i don't disagree it was fun but nothing ever challenges my intellect anymore ever other than movies that didn't cost 200 million dollars we're specifically talking about marvel disney lucasfilm these types of things. yeah the big the heavy hitters which i understand why they have to do that it's all the international sales baby but it bought like when and i think you have to listeners you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt because like we understand that that's there's reasons why they're doing this we're just bemoaning the fact that as things become more centralized, as Disney is buying, you know, 20th uh, Century Fox and all this, right. we're becoming this kind of one-headed monster, so to speak, of entertainment. And I would never want people who say, as I sometimes in the mood for, oh, I didn't want it to be sophisticated. I just wanted to see pow, 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 pew, pew. Yeah. I'm like, good. Yeah. I'm not saying don't make those movies, but now those movies are so expensive and control so much of the market share there's nothing to go to and you want something else. I mean, the hope is that 
these pay for those, you know, that then like we're in the money Disney. And then they're like, we'll make two star Wars a year. And then we'll make a bunch of like, I don't know, eternal sunshine of spotless mind. Oh yeah. As companies consolidate into multinational conglomerates, they always get a lot more artistically adventurous. (laughs) But uh, I don't know if you know what's been happening with us, but uh, on our personal lives, we have a bit great distrust over corporations in general, especially their ability to be like, I don't know. It's just the money demands the formula. It's not even the people's fault. It's like their job is to protect the money. The money demands you conform to the formula and the formula makes everything deteriorate to the lowest common. Which is, we're not saying that that's the dark side. (laughs) We're just saying that I would never reduce life to something so basic and simplistic as that. Which is why your movies might be good. Hopefully I did like when they were our movies, buddy. I did like, it's just so basic. Like the climactic scene, Again, art design and costume design. The Imperial Guards to me were the oh, coolest thing in the whole movie. Yeah. Just the design of the new design of the armor was so rad. And the red scrim behind Snoke and Snoke's yeah. costume was great. But uh, as Adam said, the movie should have ended there. That would have been a good cliffhanger. That's to right. Yeah, yeah, that would be a way I agree. better. And then he was like, but then they had to do an extra third act to give Hamill his bow out so he could fade away. Yeah. So there was like a double third act, which is why it's the longest Star Wars movie ever made. Right. <laughs> you, you had added a 30 minute sequence. But I love that they think life can boil down to literally the good person going like, come on, you like turn good. And he goes like, no, turn evil. And they're like, well, I guess the fight rages on. Well, that's and I'm like, it's that. It's like a light switch. You're just good or you're evil. And I know that's what the whole yeah. series presupposes. And I'm saying that's why Star Wars is fucking boring. And three was enough, which I just revealed my entire hand. But <laughs> right. That's that's the other thing is even the prequels had like the even George Lucas knew to say, like, if I'm going to show the nuance of why Anakin can both be this little kind of like hopeful kid who, you know, came from humble beginnings and becomes Vader. I have to show that, like I have to draw that map of how someone good can turn to the dark side because so far all the good people, they're all already good. And maybe they got, they're flirting with the dark side, but eventually they won out because they were good at heart. Now here it just feels like there's no, there's no nuance. There's no explanation. The closest they get is that, which we're still kind of da- they're dangling in front of us is whether or not Kylo Ren actually still believes that Luke went into his you know bed or like went into his bedroom and was like I'm going to kill you because right. I'm jealous. That right. could have just been Snoke doing his thing. Could be, but it could he could Luke actually claim he wasn't jealous. But he it was trying to stop the evil that before way. it grew. Right. I mean, because his main. How he's internalized that has turned into, let's throw it all into the past. There's no more Jedi, no more Sith. It's just us. Which is like an implicit promise the next movie will depart from the formula, but I bet your bottom butt that it doesn't. Well, I mean, it already hasn't because of how much he hates Luke. Like, he's like, shoot him with everything. Right. Like, he clearly hasn't left it behind. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think, like, on the granular level, they'll keep switching up occasional things to make it not identical. Like, Kylo Ren will stay evil, so he's not exactly like Vader, but come on, he is exactly like Vader. Yeah. Snoke is Palpatine. It's all, and that's what I have to say in retrospect, even though, because George Lucas doesn't understand how human beings interact, uh, the prequels do have outrageously terrible scenes and moments and don't feel earned or fake, but... yeah. I respect them more and more as time wears on only because 
George Lucas left to his own devices at least was like, I would like to try a new thing. The story was new. And I know what's crazy is the way he catered to, it has to be a reference to the thing you love was to set it in the star Wars universe, but it really was a new arc because the arc of the first three is scrappy heroes defeat evil and blow it up, which is the basic, you know, he started with pitfall peril movies and he just wanted to make like a, like a, you know, flash Gordon serial. And so he stuck with that good defeats evil. But then in this new trilogy, he's like, now I want to tell the story in this new trilogy of how did the evil guy start good and become evil? And I'm not saying that's more sophisticated or less sophisticated, but it's qualitatively different. Yeah. It's breaking bad. Instead, the arc of a good man becoming corrupted is different than the arc of scrappy band of heroes killing the big death star. So now we're in this new trilogy and rather than evolving the arc to any new thing, they've gone back to arc one. And that's just really devastating. Which is a lot of what Force Awakens got. If you remember, I remember people talking. I remember because I, I, I saw it with like a bunch of crack people. It was like with Cody and uh, a group. And it was a lot of like we all kind of came out of it and we we're like, that was good because we had already had the prequel problems. And so we we're like, that was good. But within days, it had already lost its luster. And I think that's what's going to happen I with this one. I cried for Han. Yeah, there I was love, moments, I definitely. Love, yeah, Harrison. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And there's moments in this one as well. But a lot of the, you know, like, oh, but he's technically not a pilot, so why is Finn over there? That stuff's going to start infecting us, and it already has, you know, when you're listening to this podcast. We're easily infected, you and I. We go fast. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's now we've we learned to, to distrust it. It has to do something spectacular Here, to get it. Here, eat your Star Wars, you goddamn mutts. Your mutts. Yeah. <laughs> eat your Star Wars. <laughs> there was something I thought about uh, the writing that really... Because we were talking about earlier about how, like, which one do you like better, A Force Awakens, like, in this new... You're going to think I'm fucking insane after how much I've been, like, a hard-on in this episode. I like this one better than Force Awakens. Oh, yeah. Because, as I said, even though it's... uh, even though I think it's a cheap trick to try and get around the idea of being cookie cutter by being an inverse cookie cutter, at least it's not cookie cutter. And seven was just straight ahead cookie cutter. Same reason I have the controversial view that stranger things is a boring, tedious slog. Yeah. Like I hate stranger things. I think it's interesting. Cause there's something as we were talking about before we turned on the microphones, which we should have waited. Uh, but I here it up is as again. fast as I could. Man. Yeah. No, no, thank you. Uh, the, I think that they're just different problems. Like both of those movies I thought were both like fun. You know, that's definitely true. They both were adventure. I, I'm going to watch it again. But um, here's the thing is all of my problems and a lot of what we talked about in the podcast still are gripes for me. And I think I'm going to go with Force Awakens because even those gripes, they just they don't insult me as a person as much as some of the ones in this one. And I use the word insult. It's probably a heavy word, Uh, but it's just, there's something about the writing of this one that there's like an unapologetic, like, yeah, there's a plot hole. Don't care. Ha ha ha. It's the salt. The salt is the best example I can give, or it's the fact that, you know, uh, Finn can't fly any ship. So why is he now like one of the red team red leader? Right. You know, like it makes or no that sense. He to shows me. more emotion yeah. to see his droid again than he's ever shown for any of the dozens of people right. he got killed. Right. Even when Leia is saying to his face, don't you care that all these people got killed? 
He's like, we just got to do the mission. And then he's like, my Troy. I'm like, this dude's a sociopath. Yeah. And also just for the joke of like, oh, it's like a dog. We it's love because he likes his Troy. Yeah. Yeah. We got a lot of dogs in this one. Well, they're not selling toys of all the people who got obliterated in space and their grieving families. Yeah. They're selling toys of the stupid droid. So he has to hug the fucking droid. I hate the world. <laughs> uh, a Force Awakens still has, and like you said, the cookie cutterness, the fact that it's just a new hope. Absolutely true. Uh, it for me, Hamill like raised. For me, Hamill raised the whole thing slightly above Force Awakens because he just knocked my socks I off. I think, yeah, I think I'll, I will give the acting. It really bothers me what they did in the last two movies with the character of Phasma. I completely unnecessary character. She could be alive, but I really hope not because they've really missed the fucking lift off. We just on needed her. a mini boss for Finn because Finn wasn't going to be able to take down the final bosses and he needed a scene. In he, we needed three. someone for yeah. him to kill. And it's such a shame because first off, she's a great actress, Gwendolyn Christie, yes. as we've seen in game of Thrones and stuff. Uh, she's got, She's very typical in the way she represents power, which is such a perfect thing that the Star Wars, like, need, Star Wars in particular or old, like, updates of classics need, especially what I think for, you know, strong female characters, uh, that it's a unique thing that she has. It's a charm that she has just in the same way that Harrison Ford's charm is unique. But anyway, something that I think is, so they cover her up first off, and then they give her nothing other than, like, she shows up at random times in both films. And says shit like, kill them. Right. Whereas there's multiple times that she should have been the character who did something. Or why isn't there any scenes where she... Uh, all of her scenes are still reactionary. All of her scenes are usually her dealing with someone who's higher up the uh, totem pole. Explaining that some shit went down and, she was and also, it all got fucked up. Yeah, she was also forced to deploy one of the wink lines I hate. Um, she says to Finn... This wasn't supposed to happen. You were a glitch in the system. Right. And I don't know if you know this, but that's a goddamn wink at the fact that he's the only character that is that doesn't map uh, directly to like, oh, Poe is the new this, Ray right. is the new right. Luke. Right. Uh, Finn is the, oh, he's a def stormtrooper who defected. Look how fucking original we are. We added one new thing, but we'll wink at it so you know we know it's new. Don't get scared. Right. Like, stay calm. There was, of like the three or four, of the like the five trailers that we saw when we're going in, it was crazy to me that three of them literally had the line like, it's because it's you or it's, I think you're special. I think you're very special. You are the yeah. one. You are the one <laughs> that I have to really give credit to in a franchise that has... It's humble beginnings and you're the oneness. Mm -hmm. um, this movie went the other direction with it. There's no one who ever is the one. They are making it ensemble, which is going to be the big shift. Right. And that's so they can have spinoff movies like Rogue One more often. Right. Which might be, you know, and I secretly bet, shitty. Dude, but. I bet they Netflix it, by which I mean, <coughs> I bet they're tracking like, you know, if Finn toys sell more, he'll get the first spinoff. Could if Poe yeah. toys sell more, he'll get the first, like, he'll become a voice on a cartoon I think there's show a about Poe. Po. The, the, or, you know. The well, I know there's Young Han. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, like, the new heroes of the Force or whatever. The other thing, it's not just that there is no one who's, like, because there's people who are, like, clearly set up to be, f to made to be feel special. Like, Ray especially, is, like, you know, the main one. But even Finn, to an extent, like, 
man, he's fighting like a captain or I, I don't know who Phasma is in terms of like the empire or the first orders. Like, Her armor's different. So, you know, she's yeah, higher. <laughs> she gets, she can be flippant with people of higher, you know, yeah. there's guys who have, it's, it's real weird. Cause there's guys who have like orange, Epaulets, like shoulder, shoulder holsters. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, Oh, that guy's higher up. But she's like, I'm got Chrome shit. And you're like, I guess that's better. I don't know. Suddenly, a just a plaid stormtrooper walks in yeah. and you're like, I don't know where this person fits into the packing order. What but, is this? Uh, for <laughs> Awakens like Finn's awakening, quote unquote, is because uh, there's multiple awakenings in that film. Uh, he's Leia he's well. told that yeah, for some reason the programming didn't go well. So you're like, okay, so he's like Neo, but like Stormtrooper Neo. I don't know what's going on, or it was a mistake. It could be nothing. Uh, but now he's like fighting with her, and like like did he ever get hand to hand? combat training maybe it's woven into their maybe brain it's woven. i don't know maybe it's the same thing of like you know like maybe he does have kind of like a rudimentary basic flight you know all stormtroopers sure. have that could be but you didn't explain <laughs> it movie yeah. so not going to give you credit and it wouldn't be a problem except that you showed the opposite you showed something that looked yes. simpler to fly and he made a point of not being able to fly it now yeah. you're showing something that you've established is outdated technology and the professional pilots are like this is going to be tough to fly and he doesn't mention it either way he just gets right. in and flies it <laughs> yeah and that's and that's going back to like tier two of like something that's anthemic of what's wrong with these triple a movies now is that we seem to be fine with not only from one film to another just transporting through the uh, plot hole but just this idea that there is no training necessary and the movies these kinds of movies i feel like are just constantly shouting at you in subtext it's only a movie right and i right. really love movies and i really enjoy taking them seriously like that's obviously we wouldn't even be doing this if right. that weren't the case yeah so i resent going to movie that keeps telling me like don't don't care too much. I mean, it's just silly fun. Look over here. Like, there's nothing to think about, and it just passes through you like water a day from now. You won't even remember this. It's fine. Well, that's not my money's worth. That's not what I like about movies, yeah. personally. I, I paid for a meal. I'll pay cheap for Taco Bell. Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. And, it, yeah, it's uh, I, I don't know where to go from here other than to encourage well, people. Way over time, so that's fine. Encourage people to up. make movies and make good movies. And yep. Ask, and yeah, again, we're focusing on a specific quadrant. There's all kinds of great indie filmmaking and medium and low budget filmmaking going on. And it's a golden age of television in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll bring you more great films. Probably not from this year. <laughs> yeah. We'll probably <laughs> do like on frame some rate. Yeah, yeah. weird stuff, but yeah. Uh, also just to break everyone's hearts. Logically, if Chewie brought one of those little monster, cute monster things onto the Millennium Falcon, light years away from its home and family and everything it knows, it gonna die. It gonna die. They don't know how to feed it. They don't know what it needs. Yeah. And guess what? When it dies, Chewie's gonna eat it. Okay. That's what he's gonna. That's the fate of that thing. Well, actually, as you pointed out when we were watching it, I think there, it's a cannibalistic kind of thing because. Because everyone was, it was very cute when Chewie like killed one of the penguins and uh, they're all like the crying. They're like, oh, you killed my friend. And he's like, no, that subtext, change the subtext of that scene. He just wants he's a begging little bit. for food, yeah. I thought. Yeah. Well, everyone around me clearly interpreted it as this is a human level sentient animal yeah. that understands you killed its friend and it's sad. Bullshit. 
their penguin intelligence. Yeah. It was just begging for scraps of its dead oh, friend, like good. a dog does. Yeah. Yeah. So I smell meat. So, so in other words, the story goes is like yeah. it was infe- there was an infest- infestation on the Millennium Falcon, yep. and then like two weeks later, no, it's not a the problem. trouble with Tribbles. But Chewie just got a good meal, and that yeah. was the solution. Yeah. Oh man, okay, I'll empty myself of all the plot holes because I love. <laughs> I love ruining Star Wars is for people because I'm a Star Trek man. But uh, Star Trek man, Star Trek for life. But my point is, uh, there's another one I remembered. How the fuck are you gonna be a likable character? And this is what you mean by people don't even think about it, and I can't not think about it. Ray, for comedic effect, chops a boulder in half on the island she's training on. Oh, the, it falls yeah. and crushes the cart. Narrowly missing, totally crushing painfully to death. The nuns. These two aliens. And we've already established that these aliens are a fully benevolent race who have been sacred to the Jedi Order and tend to the Jedi artifacts. Right. And she doesn't say sorry. She doesn't even look at them. She is like us, just like... That was funny how that rock fell and broke their cart, maybe crushing all their belongings in the world. Like you don't even know what the fuck was in there. Right. I I also want to just see the nihilistic scenes of that that race of people. Cause not only do you get that, but you also see like they saw they shoot a hole like a race shot a hole in the wall. And then later near the end, uh, Luke just walks up. And apparently he, they seem to be serving him, you know, because he's a Jedi he's master. He's like ingratiated. He's got a, to them, he's got yeah, a special place. Home. There. He's got a bedroom. He's got everything taken care of, you know, like granted he feeds himself. There he walks. He's three PO. You but get it. He has a, he has a torch and he walks up to the sacred tree and then I don't know. Some things happen. Walks That's down the trees. The torch to Ray. Yeah, and the trees on fire with all the books on it. Right. Which of course we know is like, well, that was lightning striking and it's all fine because Yoda said it was fine. But like to them, that's like, okay, so you brought you brought this woman who like tried to kill us four, four times, and then you just burned down our religion. And then they go to talk to him about it. And <laughs> I love to think <laughs> he just bails. You know, when they go to talk to him about it. They go into his cave very reverently because they still are respectful. And they're like, oh, whoa, he's meditating. Maybe we better not bug him. Did he just fade away? We're not ever going to know what any of this shit was about. Yeah, And they talk (laughs) about that shit for like two weeks because they're just like, that was a main deal. And like the chapter of our lives, that was like a huge deal. And then they're immediately We're the Keebler elves and you burn down our tree. What do we have now? No, And then (laughs) they're immediately attacked by Kylo Ren, who's like, I found your island. That's right, because Kylo can't find Luke, but he's like so full of hate. You know... That he will go there and still make true on his vow, which he said out loud. He said, right. I'll find this island and like yeah. reduce it to glass. He's going to go kill all those nuns. Yeah. And they're going to be like, why did any why? of this happen? Why? Luke came and he was like, thank you so much. I revere you. Here's my new roommate slash daughter figure. <laughs> yeah. She's going to shoot at you. Drop rocks on you. <laughs> the tree's on fire. I got to go. Peace out, <laughs> Luke. <laughs> and that's peace out for us yeah thanks for uh, listening yeah, see everybody you next time, Abe. well i'm gonna this you know that when Bye. you press stop it's not gonna this has been a small beans endeavor we're a bunch of pals who make podcasts sketches music web series and movies the beans always have new ideas percolating so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash small beans 
That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash small beans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the small beans grow into huge giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you.